1: Hey, uh, good morning. Welcome to another edition of The Real Estate Show here on A3OWCCO. Chris and Andy here in the uh, studio. Good morning, guys. Here it is, December. I know it. First of December. And uh, good morning. I know you both brought in your real estate crystal ball to tell us what <laughs> the uh, holiday season will be like real estate-wise. Well, Are you in a positive mood?
2: I'm always positive, positive. I'm not going to be negative about the real estate market, because I don't think people need to be negative about it. Okay. Slow down a little. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't think it's doom and gloom and we have bubbles coming. I really don't.
0: Well, you know, and I, uh, this is what's really interesting right now is when you read the papers this week, finally, some of the stuff we were saying back in August, Mm -hmm. September finally hit the papers. I don't know if you've read and and you look at housing. Kind of a delay there. Yeah, it is. And you know, what's, what's really interesting though, is, is that Danny, I think that the more I look at that, the more I've read it, the more I, I love to continually follow and analyze I think we're in a seasonal thing. I I really don't feel like this is the beginning of a a wave of the tidal wave of new housing prices because you look at the backup data of the values of the houses that are there and you look at where we should be. If we trended traditionally at the 4% that, you know, for historically, as long as they've tracked it, they kind of have appreciated. And then you kind of do the math where we dropped and where we're back to, we're we're still pretty healthy. I mean, people think, oh, prices are crazy. We're on the top of a mountain again and it's going to fall. I really don't think so. I think that with the pressure, the demand... Uh, we've got a lot of, uh, I think, uh, good things happening that we'll uh, pick up again in the spring.
2: Yeah, and I think pricing is, is just that people that want to get out right now, mm-hmm. you know, that are making yeah. some deals. And I think there's buyers out there that are thinking that, my, my goodness, there's so many great deals. I'm going to just try to, you know, go low on all these houses and see what I get. But, right. I mean, it, it's all kind of up to the seller. And I just say, hang on. It's going to work.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, the other, the psychology behind it of the, it, it, this time of year, it feels like it's slower and it's more of a buyer's market. And here's the deal. If a house is a good deal in a great neighborhood, don't play games. If you really want that house or if you really want to get in there, I mean, that that uh, seller knows the numbers. They've, they've had their agent look at all the different values of houses and they've priced it aggressively for a reason because they want to probably bring somebody in to make a quick offer and get the, the uh, selling process over quicker. So it's 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 a new strategy I'm seeing that's working really well right now is pricing the houses correctly, and they sell fast, and they're at, you know, list price because they're priced fair. They're not overpriced.
1: Makes so, sense.
2: That's a strategy that should uh, always, always be. be. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, because I, I think what's interesting, you, you hear sellers say that, say, you know what, let's just try and mm-hmm. see if we can get it, and then we'll always, you know, react later. Right. And the problem is is that when that – that first impression and that when it first comes on the market, that's when the most excitement happens. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's not like someone just started looking that day and it's like, oh, it's just the first day. We're Mm going to look and maybe in two weeks they'll reduce it. They don't do that. There's a whole bunch of people sitting out there that are waiting for new stuff to come on. Mm -hmm. And then they go look at it and they say, oh, it's 729, but – Boy, if it was six ninety nine like it should have been, mm-hmm. um, they would have jumped on it, and maybe you got 7 got seven ten. Now it's seven twenty nine nine. Sits for three weeks. You just lost all those people yep. that just gathered up, sure. and now we're hoping for onesies, twosies, and then they start making you know, and we talk about it all the time. They start making up excuses why it hasn't sold. Mm-hmm. It's never because the seller priced it too high at the beginning. Yeah, it's always because there's something wrong. There's got to be something wrong.
0: Well, let me so talking about that. I mean, we this week I had an opportunity to meet with a couple. We were going to list their house, and they said, "Well," You're the fourth realtor we've had in here. And I and I had to stop and I said, Well, what what obviously there's a lot of great real estate agents in this area and I see some of the business cards in front of me. There's some talented people in front of me. Why, why are you still searching? And they said, Because there's been such a sway in the value of what they've been telling us that we still don't feel like we feel comfortable that somebody knows what they're doing in today's market. And one guy told us, put the house on the market right now, because the spring Armageddon's coming, it's gonna be horrible, and you need to sell now. The other agent said I'd wait till spring. And they were, they were $285,000, let's say that's the middle price range. They had houses, people telling them over three hundred, all the way down to two fifty. And they said there was such a soap. I said, well, let's do it simpler than that. Let's break it down and look at the marketing packages that each one of these agents put in front of you. Who do you think would market the property the best? And, and without me even giving them any pitch myself. And they said, well, we really like this gal right here. She's you know, got this, 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 and this. And I said, okay, if we could get her to price that house right, would have you hired her on the spot? And they said, yes. And I go, so it goes to show, here's the thing. We've jokingly said this, that it would be nice to have an appraisal that the homeowner could get. And then they shop the agents based on their talent level and how hard they'll work versus what the house of the price will be. Because anyway. Here's the other thing
2: though. When you come into a house at at the very first time, and Mm -hmm. I was in three different ones this last week and uh, doing the same exact thing you said and you were right on the nose and how you broke it down. At least I believe you were right on the nose. Thank you, sir. But uh, the thing is, is that Okay, so what we're supposed to do as realtors, we're supposed to come in there and know exactly what that house is going to sell for. Number one, we don't know when they're going to sell it, okay? So we could get that answer. Right. We don't know what repairs they're going to do. We don't know what conditions it's inside. And we don't know what it's competing against when it goes on the market. And all those things are imperative. And like you said, if you pick the person that knows how to market it, and ultimately the boss is that seller. Yep. That seller makes the choice of where you're going to end up pricing it. But you know us. what? Yep. It's our job to give them the information to make that decision. Well, and if we give them that information, but it's not like, you know, hey, I'm going to list it at 310 Yeah. you know. Um, Can I get it now? Because I'm going to list it the highest. Or, hey, it's 250 You know, and they're just, maybe they're thinking that Hey, they're not going to do this. They're not going to do this. We're going to sell mm-hmm. right today. Mm-hmm. And I just showed one the other day that was underpriced, and I sold it. Was two fifty.
0: You know. Well, I was just going to say you and I have talked about this before too. Where beyond just the actual like marketing and everything else, you let's say that I'm out there on the lake and I call Chris Rooney because Chris Rooney has connections. Chris Rooney has people looking for houses. He may know the right person to call that has a buddy, and that house might even get sold before it even lists, for an example. And that's the connection, and that's where a guy like with your experience. And I'm not trying to again. Toot your horn, but go ahead, though. Let's say someone that's like him. Let's say
2: <laughs> <A joke here. laughs>
0: someone that's like Chris. Um, that can actually fetch you more faster, you know, but let's say that you have to pay you a higher percentage to get that. And then you look at and people get hung up on that part too, and they say, you know, like, Well, do I want to pay for a full service, part time service, or, you know, the the a la carte style marketing? And that's where I, I again
2: and everyone's different. There's nothing wrong with that. You got you got to make that decision on what you want to do.
0: Well, so so how do you guide the customer? That's so. Let's say that somebody's listening right now. They're thinking about selling their house. How would you guide that person? Because, I would say to me, if it's most important the time of when they sell, and number two is like maybe the price that they get or whatever. How do you how do you help them figure out how to do this?
2: I don't I don't think it's about how much they pay me. It's about how much they're going to make or yeah. maximize their investment and what kind of, um, you know. There's a there's a lot to say about. I call it positioning, okay? Mm -hmm. And most of our work is done ahead of time. Mm -hmm. At least it should be done ahead of time because we need to position that whole property for whoever that target buyer is, okay? So we know who that buyer is. Now, we're not going to leave out everyone else, but we know who's going to pay the most for that. Mm -hmm. We're going to position that house to be able to attract that person and to be able to get that. and. To me, you know, you look at it and and people usually fight realtors with, you know, a percent, maybe mm-hmm. half a percent. Sure. You know, in negotiations, three percent goes like that. I yes. mean I just snapped my fingers by the way. Yeah. For the effect. We all yeah. Heard. Yeah. yeah. But it can go like that. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's three times the amount. I mean yeah. I, I said, you know, in the end, who do you want on your side?
0: Well, absolutely. And I think that there's so anyway, so there's a lot more that goes into this than just um, sitting down and interviewing the people because that's like sitting down in front of four timeshare salesmen and trying to say, okay, who, which of these these timeshare salesmen is going to give me the best timeshare deal? It, it, you got to know what you want. What kind of a, you know, what facility do you want? What kind of, you know, and so understanding what you want as a seller, sometimes before you start interviewing the agents, I think is really important so that you can ask the appropriate questions of those people to say, hey, this is what's really important to us. You know, we right now don't want a double move or we, you know, have this for limitation on finances or we have this. And then having there's that There's so person, much more. Yep. There's, yeah. And so there's a lot that goes into it, Danny. And so, Sometimes the, the agents get treated like a commodity because they read an article online that says, ask these 17 questions. And, and there's nothing wrong with that if you have no clue what you're doing. But I'm telling you, you, think of it this way. You're an employer hiring someone to work for you. Who do you fit best with? Do their goals and everything else and their values align with yours? And then, you know, how hard are they going to work? And ask them that question, you know? So.
2: I thought it was interesting. Gosh, it's probably, it's going on. It'll go on two years, like this mm-hmm. February. And uh, I had somebody that invited me over, and they were having four agents in there, mm-hmm. and they had the book Real Estate for Dummies. Oh, have you seen? It? I yeah. Mean, but I'm telling you what, and then I they think, I
0: think we're quoted in that book.
2: Yeah. What was really, what was, <laughs> what was really cool was um, that they did all these questions, and they were good questions, well, you course. know, that they gave, um, and they gave it to us all ahead of time so we could come prepared yep. and answer those questions. And I thought it was great. You know, I mean, but a lot of times what happens, Andy, mm-hmm. is that they'll just – we'll go in there and they'll just listen to what we have to say. Right. You know, and then wait till the next one has to say. And they don't really compare them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that that's well, there's not no a way, dumb way to do it.
0: It's not. And they're just trying to help get kind of more of a checklist. They all meet this goal. But it does come down to aligning yourself with the person that you think will do the best job for you based on what's important to you. And it it and it isn't always the price.
1: That's true. I'll tell you what. Uh, What I failed to mention initially is let's invite our listeners to call in or text in. What do you say? 651-989-9226 for your real estate questions. Or uh, send the guys a text, 81807. Your real estate text at 81807. And good morning welcome back to The Real Estate Show around every Saturday here in the 10 o'clock hour. 29 is our Twin City temperature reading. We do have some snow uh, on the way, maybe uh, less than an inch tonight, maybe 1 to 3 uh, later on tonight, uh, if you want to call in your uh, real estate question, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. I know guys, we're getting some text messages at eight one eight zero seven. You got one yeah, there, one Chris?
2: Is, can an agent sell real estate without a sponsored broker? An agent has to work for a broker, yes,
1: to be able to have that. But an
2: agent can be a broker and then just sell by themselves as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it, that's a little more two prevalent. Years,
0: two years of uh, experience, two years, then them? you can
2: take the broker's test, but yep. um, and then become a broker. So because ultimately the broker is the one that's um, liable for that listing that's why you that 's why you list it with the company and not just with that agent.
0: Hmm.
1: so eight one eight zero seven again is the uh, is the text number
2: yeah let's get into um, the whole what we were kind of talking about um, before and different ways in which to do it and we was talking about um, positioning positioning your home and obviously one of the big things about positioning your home is the staging. And there's some a lot of um, things around staging that some people say are good and some people say that are bad. Um, there's an article that we found with, uh, you know, the do trends in staging mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think one thing um, I've talked about a lot is that a lot of people try to depersonalize their home.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't know, I think from the all the homes that I've showed <laughs> and, and talked to people, people want to know who live there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, if you have uh, – I mean, uh, there's just a natural cure, a wall of a, right. a wall of fame. And, you know, it's from age six months to 18 years old and all your kids. That's a little much, you know, and the reason it is, I mean, even though it might look really good. Yep. But what people do is they concentrate more on that than they do on the fireplace. That's going to stay, you know, because right. they want to see, oh, look at how cute this kid was and how he grew up and all that stuff. But to be able to see a family or mm-hmm. to know the family, um, I think that just gives a little more. I don't know, a little confidence in in the house.
0: I think if you're local, I think there's, there's a lot of other things that people could be biased against, though. You know, you start getting into things like, you know, beliefs that you have politically or if you have religious things that are up or whatever. I just don't want somebody to come into your house and actually hold that against you or say, well, I don't want to live in that kind of situation or, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's a... Just don't give anybody ammunition. I say well, keep yeah. it clean and simple. And but it just
2: gets them thinking about something else rather right. than the house. Right. You know, and I think sometimes um, I've had a couple instances. It's very rare. So before everyone texts in on this and say, that, oh, you have to stage, um, there's been instances where I say we don't need any staging mm-hmm. in here because the house can sell itself. And I think sometimes um, I remember a house, and this was, gosh, a number of years ago, mm-hmm. but uh, the furniture was so nice that the person buying it not only had to spend over a million dollars for the house, but they'd have to probably spend a couple hundred thousand for that furniture. Yeah. And what that did, that furniture kind of masked all of the other stuff that it had. So like built-in cabinets and and woodwork and things like that. And we ended up getting that furniture out of there, and then it sold after that. Because I think people mm-hmm. were able to, you know, feel that house and kind of make it their own. But in most cases, mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to need something in there versus – being totally vacant, but it's not like we have to stage the whole
0: house. Well, right. There's partial staging and there's, you know, the National Association of of Realtors actually put out a study that showed that they were, I think the average staging package was like from 0.5 to 1.2% of the list price that was kind of the average that was being invested into houses that claimed to be staged. And staging can be everything from uh, furniture. But I think a lot of people think staging is another word for furniture. Not necessarily. Sometimes it's also merchandising the house, repainting a room, almost like a light remodel. So like what you're talking about there, to me, staging can be something as simple as decluttering, depersonalizing, or, you know, whatever. And then accenting with something to make the house feel relevant towards new design. So it, it, but anyway, they also showed that the average, now this is a quite a swing. I don't know how they get away with quoting stats like this, but they said the average real estate professional believes that a staged home increased the home's value between three and 15%. So spending that, you know, half a percent to get—it's a pretty good return, I guess—is what what they're saying here statistically, and that's yeah. with what they've trended and tracked. And so,
2: yeah, and I think that it is up to the certain people, but there is some that you know people aren't able to mm-hmm. stage. And how about let's talk about that? So, say yeah. someone wants to do, um, hey, we want to do staging, but we only mm-hmm. have so much money in which to be able to do it. Yep. Um, and I need to paint instead what would you suggest paint or try to stage
0: um i tell you what i would i would tend to work on cleanliness and the appearance of quality because cleanliness to me usually equals quality i find that home inspections go a lot easier when the houses are cleaner and well maintained um, when the when you go up to the furnace and you literally rub your finger across the top and have a dust bunny on your finger People worry about that furnace because they know it hasn't been touched since the last time the the HVAC guy or gal was out. And so I think that there's some of that that I look at as well. So without any cost, I think good old elbow grease, like we've talked about before, like doing a good cleansing on that house. And if you can't physically do it yourself, that to spend that money to hire somebody that will be able to do that for you to get that house ready to go. Um, one of my other low-cost favorite things to do is to... Uh, work with your lighting because i think lighting is one of those things that a lot of people overlook and let's say for an example you like a certain you know uh, new uh, energy efficient style of bulb but it really makes that room look like a big bright you know auditorium you may want to trend that down and put in maybe some 60 watt condescence or something like that to warm it up a little bit just to give. because remember you're merchandising that house to sell it you're not you know making a statement you're, you're trying to uh, you know Put that all together in a package or somebody walks in there and says, this is warm and fuzzy the way I want to, you know. <laughs> I I think that's live that's
2: in interesting way. because then what you'd also say, if hey, if you have a lower level and you have a, a basement that doesn't have like a, a walkout or a lookout, mm-hmm. you want really bright bulbs right. to be able to brighten that thing oh, up. If so, it's dark. I mean, yeah, it just, it so depends. And that's why you talk positioning. It's, it's each house is individual. Mm-hmm. It's different.
1: We have more show to come. We have another half hour of the show, as a matter of fact. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Here's our phone number for your real estate question, 651-989-9226. Text number again is 81807. Guys, let's go to the phone. Uh, Wayne is calling from Brainerd, I believe. Uh, Wayne, the guys are listening.
2: Yeah, I'm up here in a rural setting with about 15 acres. And the uh, a usual way to sell up here is on a contract for deed. I have
1: four buildings on this acreage, by the way. Can you probably cover the pros and cons of selling on a contract for deed? And I would use a realtor.
2: Okay. Um, Well, first of all, we have to give the old, we can't give legal or tax advice. But uh, Mm -hmm. if we're talking to a client um, and talking about a contract for deed, and for people that don't know what that is, it, it typically ends up being that the seller is financing for that buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, the buyer does a down payment, so say it's three hundred thousand, and they put thirty thousand down. Then the seller usually um, does a loan for two hundred seventy thousand back to them mm-hmm. at a agreed upon interest rate. Um, a contract for deed. If someone wasn't, if the buyer wasn't able to make the payments, um, it's a lot quicker to get um, the house back per se. I mean. I should, there's other no, instances, it's, a fore, it's like a foreclosure. But, yeah, it's just but a different the, the, process. Well, let's say that. That's a better way of saying it. The foreclosure process is a lot simpler. In this case, it's a cancellation process um, where it takes 60 days rather than there's right of redemption and everything on a mm-hmm. mortgage. Um, I think up in that area, and, where, and he said it, that there's a lot of people that that's how it sells up there you know, for financing. Um, so that's obviously an advantage to be able to offer that if that's what you know mainly people are... Being able to purchase by.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, you know, and up in that nick of the woods, we've had the guys on the show, Mark Pedig and uh, Brent Anderson up there. And they, those guys up in the Brainerd market would be more than happy to talk to you about that because I don't know if you always have to take, you know, Wayne, I, I, I think that it's probably a way to get more money for your house, maybe. Like if somebody, yep. you have to offer a CD to someone that needs the credit or maybe they're, you know, younger and they don't have the the credit available to them quite yet. They're building it over time or saving up their deposit. But, I don't, I don't like to see my clients get into a CD unless you have a sufficient down payment because it is a very expensive process to, you know, redeem that property and to get the person, you know, out of the house if they don't perform. Um, and there's a lot of local banks up in that area too that the, our, our guys could introduce you to, I'm sure, that would be able to do financing on a farm or an acreage, you know, hobby-style farm that, you know, maybe a traditional bank would not know how to finance properly or something with all the outbuildings and anyway. And there's there's even USDA available, too, not to continue on, but there's, you know, with the USDA, there's loan types. I wish Travis was here to discuss it. But they even have some programs that are zeroed down if you're, you know, out a little farther. But there's rules with buildings. So he, know, he mentioned he had four buildings. With normal
2: financing, too, there's yeah, there's zero down. appraisal costs, yep. you know, and that appraisal, maybe those there's not enough comps out there to be able to appraise for what that value is. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to do a contract for deed. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people out there, um, I think. What the, the thought is is that people are that do a contract for deed mm-hmm. have bad credit. There's something wrong right. with them because that's why they have to have the owner financing. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true either. There's a lot of reasons that uh, people not only do um, that. Maybe they're self-employed. and they're, sure. I mean, They make a lot of money, but they can't convince a bank of that. Um, and then there's for a seller too. There's uh, good reasons to take that. Maybe you don't want all that money at once. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a tax liability that is, is associated with that right. money, and maybe you just want to make interest because what am I going to do with that money? Right. Hey, I can get five or seven percent on it. You know, from this person, I can throw it in the bank and get one percent. Might be a great so investment. That's yeah, that's just different thoughts.
1: Uh, by the way, if you want to send a text eight one eight zero seven, we're getting uh, a bunch of those. Um, there's. There's somebody that is referring to those billboards you see around town. How do these guaranteed offers work that I see on billboards around the city?
2: okay a guaranteed a guaranteed sale and I don't know what those billboards do, but typically what a a, a guaranteed sale is is that uh, the realtor and/ or one of their investors um, make an offer on your house to be able to sell it and there there might be a lot of things tied to it. Uh, one of the things might be t- tied to it is uh, that they have the ability in which to list it and try to sell it on the open market mm-hmm. um, for a certain price, and then maybe you're contractually obligated to reduce it to a point that hey, they can sell it, or there's a there's a buy price, and then they'll mm-hmm. come in and and say hey, we'll we'll purchase it right at this. I mean, I think the thing is, I mean, the, people aren't just going to buy your house just to buy it for the fun of it, you know? They're going to tr- they, they got to make, make money. money. They right. have to, you right. know, in which to be able to do it. So.
0: I agree. Yeah, I think right. there's, there's a few things that I don't want to get too deep into. But, you know, as if, if somebody comes out that actually labels themselves as a realtor, you know, they have a, a vow of ethics that they follow and they have to have your best interests in mind, in my opinion, from an ethical perspective. So when somebody's sitting down with you and telling you they're giving you a guaranteed offer, first of all, I want them to make sure that you ask them, what is the true potential value of my home and um, a retail perspective? Um, what repairs do I need to do to get it to that value level? Um, and then so you have all the dollars in front of you. And then when it comes down to breaking it down and saying, okay, what will you guarantee me? What's going to happen is somebody's going to take a risk threshold formula. And if it's, you know, let's, let's just say I've heard the averages go from as little as 8% all the way up to as high as 24%. Think wow. about that. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of expense to sell a house. And I'll tell you what, you, you take $100,000, $150,000 hit on a house to sell it. You better be sure that you're getting the benefits that you want out of that because, I mean, you can make a lot of house payments for a lot of years on $150,000. So, you know, well, I suppose it depends on your payment. Yeah, but there's
2: some but, people that it works for, you know, and well, they, need, they need to move and they need to get out.
0: No, I get that. But I think that what's happening is with the way that that kind of a product right now is being advertised to the consumer that's looking for the easy fix, I don't want to do showings. I don't want to do this. Unfortunately, it's like being sick. Sometimes you can't just take a magic pill and you're healed. Sometimes you have to go through the healing process and take the proper time so you actually kick the cold and I'm just. It, why are you laughing?
2: You're the analogy guy. I guess. Well, no,
0: but I, I, I when you're selling no. a house, why would you want to leave money on the table? Why would you not want to spend a little bit of effort to get you know what you really? Mm-hmm. And and if you don't, just understand that that convenience is. It's like buying the eight dollar coke in your hotel room. Yeah. You're buying out of the minibar. And if you're fine with that, great. I'd walk down the hallway and get one for a dollar versus paying $8 out of the fridge in the room. But that's, that's me. Yeah, to
2: each their own, yep. 6519899226. Text
1: is 81807. Uh, you had mentioned the, the dust on the, the furnace top of the, the furnace. But you guys are aware of certainly there are cleaning services all over that people have, you know, come to their Absolutely. home and clean. I'm sure you can find people that do clean furnace tops as well that'll dust the basement.
2: Yeah. I think yep. what's really interesting about that is that the mechanicals is typically it's a scary room for most people. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know how to run it. They don't know what to do in there. And if you, if you top it off with all the paint cans are in there, some extra storage is in there, um, some things are sitting on top of the water heater along with all the debris that comes with it and cobwebs mm-hmm. are everywhere, mm-hmm. it scares them even more. And yep. then they think, hey, we're going to have to redo that. So by cleaning that out and just making it a mechanical room, and washing off all of the utilities, it just makes it a lot more, oh, that's where the furnace goes.
0: Yeah, and you and I have talked about this before. We're even sometimes putting down the the, the gray paint that covers the floor to make it look clean and nice because of all the years of spilling paint or whatever, cleaners, and, you know, the floor looks spooky too. Painting the floor, spray the ceilings, do whatever, make that room fun and inviting because, you know, Chris, you and I have talked about this before with depending on what price range you're in, that can be one of the most expensive rooms in your house. If you think about this, besides your kitchen and probably your master bathroom, if you have one, um, that mechanical room with the cost of a furnace or the repair of a water heater or the, you know, the air, all those items that are in there are are big ticket items. So I, as a real estate agent and other real estate agents I know, that's one of the things we focus on is saying, okay, I don't want to put my, you know, buyer into a house where they're going to have a lot of big expenses right after they move in, especially if they're a first time buyer and they don't have a lot of money. So we'll focus on that. And and in. The the certified inspections, cleanings, and whatever do mean a lot to a consumer. I mean, they really do, and I think they're a great proactive way to get ready to sell.
2: Well, and the, if you think about that, the other part is is you just saw those pre-inspections. Now, think about a buyer going through a house, and they already know that all that stuff was checked out. It's one less thing to worry about, mm-hmm. you know, because once you start adding them up, and I'm worrying about this, 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 and that, yeah. then it becomes, you know what, that's too much. Let's go look at the next one where there might not be as many worries. Well,
0: true.
1: Text is 81807. Let's go back to the phones, guys. Somebody, oh, it's Don calling from Osceola, Wisconsin with a question. Hi, Don. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. What what can we do for you today? Well, I'm really confused on comps. I I have different properties I I have bought and sold, nothing major. But comps are a most inaccurate form of appraisal, and it costs me money for an appraisal, and they give comps. Uh, it it's just not right is it they're just comparing square footage they're not comparing properties
2: yeah it's uh i mean it depends how many comparables you have so i mean if we're in uh minneapolis uh, in a suburb and mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a 1600 square foot one and a half story with a two car detached garage we've got a lot of comps you know if we're mm-hmm. out in the country you know, we, we just don't you just don't have as much. Um we've had that problem with some lakeshore listings. Sure. You know, and maybe some higher priced ones where let's just say it's in prior lake and you know that hey, there's nothing that's been selling that high. We have to get other comps. So what they'll do is try to go over to Minnetonka and say, Okay, hey, based on what prior lake is, mm-hmm. this is kind of an example of it. Mm-hmm. And they'll go over to that. So some appraisers can go out a little further. But then some appraisers might just say, I mean, and there's rules involved mm-hmm. in all of this, but that, hey, you know what? I can use these within, you know, six miles of the property, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to use that. I can't use that one that's nine miles out that might fit yours perfectly.
0: True, and I think there's other things that, you know, maybe uh, Don here is, is referencing is, is, you know, when you look at comps, and let's say that, you know, he's, he's got a, I don't know if he had a house or a farm out there, but let's say he's got a farm, and they're looking at just like the different quality of the barn levels. You can buy a pole barn for 30000 or 300000 depending on what you're, you know what I mean, or the harvester grain bins versus the, you know, the Brock grain bins or whatever. There's different value points on those things, too. So that's where, you know, you do have to put a, uh, a little bit more of what they call a cost plus. So if the acreage is worth 10000 an acre, as most farmland out there would sell for. And they
2: do use that value. They, they do use land value.
0: Yep, they'll use land value first, and then they say, okay, here's an old old, you know, um, two-bedroom house that's on there, or is it a brand-new, you know, ranch, big rambler that's worth 300000 that, you know, cost to replace. And then they, the right appraisal, the right small bank will allow you to do that. But every time you get that specific done, I think what happens is, is that you limit your audience on the other side because it may require more money down. It may re- you know, but, but that's okay because you want to obviously protect yourself. And, um, you well, just, a yeah. lot
2: of lenders will tell you, too, that if it's in a specific area, it might be better to go with that hometown bank. To mm-hmm. do the financing because they understand that market. They do get it. Not the people stuff. in yeah. California that are underwriting
1: it for you. Right, right. exactly. So, so let's take a break, guys. We have more show to come here, our real estate show here on CCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on 830 WCCO. We have callers, we have texters, guys, asking real estate type of questions. Here is our phone number, 651-989-9226. Meanwhile, the text is 81807. Alan is calling from St. Paul uh, with a question. Go ahead, Alan.
0: Yeah, gentlemen, I'm kicking around the idea of a kitchen remodel here. I certainly need it. Uh, But when I watch HGTV, all I see is gray, a sea of gray, always gray in the kitchen, gray and white, whatever. Is that that still where we're going here for the future, if you want to make it marketable or... Is it going to switch over to tans and beiges and, or, or what here? It's funny that he brings that up. My stager this week just said that to me. She goes, gray is dead, guys. We're back to the creamy beiges and the whatever. Oh. She goes, first of all, all of our furniture matches the beiges and the creamy whites and the whatever. The grays, it's very hard. You have to have very specific color palettes for your furniture to match. And anyway, so that, that Let funny. Let ask Alan,
2: that, though. I mean, it says in St. Paul, how old is your house, Alan?
0: Years old. How old is How house old? in St. Paul? 26. 26.
2: Years old. Okay. All right. I, you know, if it was a, I was thinking it maybe was a downtown St. Paul kind of thing and mm-hmm. it was in the, you know, 60, 70 years old, but that's kind of a, a timeless thing that you uh, easily can get away with. But I'll tell you what, if it's, uh, there's, there's simple remodels. You know, from a hardware perspective mm-hmm. that you can do with some quick painting and, you know, some new appliances to, mm-hmm. you know, redoing everything. I mean, if you want to – but I'll, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I tell people a lot that if you're going to sell, if we're talking about selling now, if, if you want to do it yourself and enjoy this thing, you do it how you want to do it. But if we're thinking about selling, uh, a way in which to maybe get away with uh, a lot of cost is to be able to keep the box mm-hmm. cabinets and then mm-hmm. just replace all the doors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you can still remove some of those cabinets if it's, uh, you know, like where it used to be over the whole um, bar, uh, the little peninsula area. and The cabinets are blocking the whole kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take all those out. Um, But obviously kitchens can get real expensive.
0: Well, sure they can. And, you know, Chris, another couple of ways that we've we've had a show a couple, I don't know, maybe a year ago about this. But talking about just like switching out the outlets, putting in some of the USB plugs, actually taking some of those spaces and going into more of the – like opening up to dining rooms and featuring, like, recycling centers and larger pantries and opening. You know, so when you remodel a kitchen, I mean, there's a lot of cool things you can do that actually will make your kitchen really relevant to the way people live nowadays without spending a lot of money. But it's you don't want to just replace what you have with what you have. I mean, you want to have a little fun with the appliances. You want to bring in some of that technology, which also ups your savviness with the house. And, you know, and not for a lot why You're smirking well, no, at
2: me. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking <laughs> about nervous, what Alan bro. said about the HDTV yeah, thing yeah. and how – and some of those shows where it says, hey, we replaced the cabinets for $3,200. Yeah. No, you didn't. Right. There's, I mean, you, you can't do that. No. You know? So it's a lot more expensive than what uh, maybe some of those shows. Well,
0: say. and I, I flipped the house where I had my interior team um, actually help and guide me. And they were having me do things that were outside my comfort zone. Like they were putting in crystal chandeliers in some of the bedrooms. And they were doing these crazy, you know, exotic granites that were, you know, the Australian golds, you know, and, And I was like, oh, my gosh, these girls are taking me down a path that I I don't think that, you know, nobody will like. People fought over the house. And so, you know, trending is one thing. If you're in a trendy neighborhood, I think that's where you're going originally. If you're in a trendy neighborhood where the person that buys the house wants it to be on trend, that's a little different than if you're just updating for a more traditional neighborhood that is just looking for some cool stuff in in their house.
2: And what they're expecting at that price level? Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Text number, by the way, eight one eight zero seven. Let's see, we've got a few of those to field here. Uh, is there a big disadvantage? Texter says to selling a newer home with an unfinished basement.
2: No, I don't think it's a bigger advantage. I mean, it's it's a it's a factor, but is it a big disadvantage? I mean, I, I th- no, I, I think. You know, if it's it's a newer home, mm-hmm. you know, they can probably, if it's a couple of years old, they can kind of beat the new construction prices now, yep. but yet still be able to finish the basement kind of in what they want it to be able to do. So I sure. don't think it is.
0: Well, and I, I, Denny, I've seen the range of houses from anywhere from probably $40 a square foot up to almost $100 a square foot to finish a basement with a contractor, depending on what level you're going to. So you do the math on that. You add that up. Can you get forty, sixty, eighty, hundred and twenty thousand dollars more for that house with the basement finished? Appraisals usually do not reflect that, but it makes your house more desirable to the buyer. So, you know, if you are in a house that's in again, it comes to the price range. If you're in an entry level, which in new construction would be let's say the high two hundreds, low three hundreds, you're probably not going to see a benefit. But if you're in the six hundred plus range, it absolutely probably is expected to be done.
2: If you're in a newer home and you're trying to sell in a neighborhood that's still being built up, that's a disadvantage. Um, because people have options in which to be able to build, and they always use that. So that that hurts, I've I found. Mm-hmm.
1: Texter says, we have lots on a river we bought about 20 years ago, interested in selling to people who contacted us directly, but the tax valuation has not changed. How to determine value?
0: Mm.
2: I, would, I would get some realtors out there and yep. to be able to tell you what they are. I mean, everyone's going to come out there and be able to offer their um, – you know what they think the price is and probably mm-hmm. a, a spiel yep. uh, to be able to do it and uh, might be able to get to more people but tax value does not determine what your market value is.
0: Yeah. And you know, and if you're, if you're looking to maybe save some money and you wanted to get around the commissions, you might want to go back after like some of the bigger home builders in the area, but just make sure they're paying you what the lots are worth because most home builders are notoriously known for being able to wiggle the price down on things. Mm. That's what they're, that's why their home builders are good at that stuff. So I would say having a personal representative that knows the true value, then you attack, you know, going after who the audience might be.
1: Maybe we could do this in the last minute here, a a text, uh, some people fall on tough times. Can they ever buy a fore after a foreclosure, or are they not trusted?
2: Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, they're re creditworthy and they they get themselves back to creditworthy. I mean, sometimes it takes seven years after a foreclosure, mm-hmm. but uh, there's, there's some new no issues
0: whatsoever. Down to two. So I yeah, mean, it there's on the you, financing. You betcha. Yep. No, well, circumstances. Sorry.
1: No, no, no. We have we have about sixty seconds to go. We want to find out how to get in touch with both of you guys mm-hmm. as usual. But uh, there was a text came in earlier. That they said, uh, as far as, uh, for, for full and honest disclosure, please tell your listeners that this is a paid advertisement, this show. It is not. You guys volunteer <laughs> you, your time. You mean
0: you guys, could, we could actually get paid? This would be amazing. <laughs> we'll talk.
1: I'll let the cat out of the bag. give us free coffee. Mad. Yeah, this is uh, the service. Just like our garden show, our car, car repair show, these guys are volunteers just like they are. So we appreciate your expertise. Oh, thank you. How do we get in touch with you both?
2: for the last 10 years on this show, actually. Wow, is that how Chris, long it's been? it's been 10. Chrisrooney.com wow. is me. And I'm okay.
0: Prasky, P-R-A-S-K-Y.com.
1: Well, would you volunteer your time again next uh, Saturday?
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is addictive. This is a lot of fun, Denny. Yeah, we love yeah. we love our listeners, and we appreciate everyone. Thank
1: well, we you. We appreciate for your expertise, too. So and thank our listeners for the calling and texting. We'll come back again next uh, Saturday morning in the 10 o'clock hour for more real estate here on A3OWCCO.